0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply.
1: They didn't see that I had just got somebody off of my neck, literally jumped on my back. And I slammed the guy on the table, happened to look left, see Anthony Johnson on the floor with the Haddad guy standing over him with his friend. I sprint over there and punched the guy because at that point, I'm still obligated to be a leader of a team, not just in the basketball, right? I'm now obligated to be a leader in the way of life.
0: Hey, what's cracking? Welcome to episode 184 of the Jim Rohn podcast. It is great to be back with you on the original side hustle. And today I am pumped to catch up with a six time NBA all star Jermaine O'Neal. You all know Jermaine is an 18-year vet of the association. He was drafted by the Blazers right out of high school as a 17-year-old back in 1996. He went on to become the NBA's most improved player in 2002 as a member of the Indiana Pacers. Then two years after that, he was involved in one of the most shocking and memorable incidents in the history of American professional sports. That incident, of course, the malice at the Palace. Jermaine now is finally telling his side of the story in the new Netflix series Untold, which premieres this week. It's been a minute or so since he and I have had the chance to chat, so I don't want to waste any time in getting to this. It is a great episode. It's episode 184 with Jermaine O'Neal, and it's coming at you right now. Jermaine, before you and I get into the documentary Untold, The Malice in the Palace, which dropped on Netflix, which you are a producer on, I do want to start by saying this, it has been a minute or so since you and I have spoken, and I always, always enjoy talking to you on my programs when you play, so I really appreciate this opportunity to do so again today. How are you, my
1: man? I'm doing pretty good. You know, Jim, it's always good speaking with you, man. We've had some great conversations Uh, throughout the past and uh, you know anytime I get opportunity come on and and have a conversation with you I'm I'm definitely gonna be there
0: yeah I want to be honest about this it it means a lot to me that you remember those conversations the way I remember those conversations because (laughs) I have the exact same feeling about you now for speaking of conversations though for a long time I know that you really did not want to talk about what happened that night in Detroit so why is that and then why did you change your mind and decide that you were ready to do so now
1: well, one um, the first reason why I didn't want to speak about it um, was from a legality standpoint. Um, we went through a long um, period of time when we had the criminal um, cases going on uh, and then the civil. Right. Everybody um, and their mamas was trying to sue. Uh, so we were basically we basically had a muzzle put on us from a legality standpoint, couldn't speak about it. And, you know, this whole process went on for almost 10 years. Uh, after the brawl, and um, it was a very, very sensitive sore topic for me. Um, I know Ron and and Jack spoke about it. You know, it's this crazy anniversary every year. You know, which is, doesn't make much sense to me uh, to still be having. Um, but I never wanted to speak about it because it 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 did something to me, right? It really um, has a, a place in my in my mind that just upsets me every time I think about it because it caused so much uh grief, so much um destruction, um in so many ways, whether it's cities, whether it's uh you know, you know viewpoints, it had stigmas added to uh you know not only to ourselves but even to our league at the time, right? And my peers were under attack um from people that uh didn't even you know think hard enough to do their research on you know some of the things that they were saying and uh, so I looked to to do a documentary, and I sat down with um, a lot of different directors um, and producers to, and and really interviewed them to see if they got what I was trying to do, and it it just didn't happen that way, and it end up, you know, getting with Netflix, and I have to say a big thank you to Netflix, uh, the Way Brothers, uh, the director Floyd Russ, who did a, manif- a magnificent job on capturing um the vision right and and believing in the vision the vision was not to alienate the league this ain't no this isn't a um hey you know it's you know you guys did us wrong you know or whatever it may be type of doc it's just more about information because i believe that the people that rushed to judgment when it happened um set such a standard to what people believed happened um, that that was kind of the lasting effect Right. And we was never able to really have a, a real conversation about what happened because we would, you know, we would put ourselves in position to be affected on the criminal part or the civil part. So uh, here we sit today uh, in a documentary that was very candid by a lot of people that was in it. Uh, people were honest and open. And I have to thank everybody that was involved, um, that took my phone call and and believed in the vision of what I was trying to do.
0: Jermaine, it is such a powerful response, and there is so much to unpack in that, and I, I don't know, but just judging from that response, I can only imagine what you've been carrying around with you. In the 10 years, the 17 years, and what the project meant to you and why this was so important to you personally, let me ask you this. Who is the doc for? For instance, is it for the avid NBA fan or maybe the average sports fan or even the non-sports fan who may not know you for anything other than that night?
1: (laughs) That's a loaded question, Jim, to be quite honest. Um, Yeah, the the idea was to build it, you know, uh, do a doc, you know, like you said, not for the avid sports fan, but for the for the person of the human that I am typically running into, whether it's board meetings, business meetings, community meetings, whatever it may be, um, that did not watch the NBA, right? As as a as a true NBA fan, but they heard and watched what was said uh, on television, and that thing is still really very much alive, right? When I see people, right? When I'm out. I was out in Las Vegas two weeks ago coaching my son's eighth grade team. um, And that question was asked me well over 10 times. Right. And so for me, it was more about telling the story. Because if you're an avid basketball fan, I think this is going to, this is going to speak volumes to, uh, to you as well, because what you were, what you were shown and what you were told was a narrative that wasn't correct. Um, You know, we were in a position and I understand Jim that in in the business of basketball, it's everything's about, and really, just in general in life, when it comes to business, it's about the bottom line number, right? And if it, if that's affected, then you know change has to be made. I understood that it was a penalty that had to be um, given out, uh, but to the narrative that was given to us, right, thug, criminal, hoodlum, right, that was an issue to me, and it was an issue to me because now it's a cultural conversation a cultural conversation. It wasn't a cultural conversation, you know, if, You know, when if people really knew that people were trying to hurt us with no security, right? They would have probably did the same exact thing. It wasn't a conversation when, you know, people see me sliding in and, and punching a person. They didn't see that I had just got somebody off of my neck, literally jumped on my back and I slammed the guy on the table happened to look left, see Anthony Johnson on the floor with the Haddad guy standing over him with his friend. I sprint over there and punch the guy because at that point, I'm still obligated to be a leader of a team, not just in a basketball game, right? I'm now obligated to be a leader in the way of life, right? And so, yeah, I thought it was important to tell the story because this thing has stuck with us and stuck with me and particularly like a tattoo right? Can't seem to shake it. Let's give the let's give the people what they need to what they need to see in here. So we can put this thing to bed and move on with our lives.
0: Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So, when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Like, what is it, Jermaine, and I'm hearing exactly what you're saying. Like, for instance, and I've heard you say this, like, turn this thing around. Like, what would any of you have done if you were in my position? If you're on that floor and you feel like you're threatened or you feel like your teammates are threatened, are you not going to defend yourself or you're not going to act? You know, I, I understand this as well. Like, what is it also about that night that people do not need to know that you want them
1: to know that they need to know? Well, I, you know, I think hearing stories is—it's is not just about me; it's, it's about everybody that was impacted. And, and, and again, I think from a perspective, you know, as a lot of people that jumped on to the quick to judgment train, um, and they and they said things uh, in many ways that they had no idea what they were talking about, right? Only people that actually knew about it. You know, and again, I'm watching this as it unfolds. Like that night, and then the next morning, and then the next day, nobody really had the information that they needed. Nobody had the 28 camera angles in that in that in that uh, arena that eventually had to be given up when I actually took the NBA to court. You know, to get reinstated, right? People don't understand that I actually won that case, right? That federal judge, I had the right to do what I what I did. Because he was able to see the entire process, not the clips of me sliding in and punching, not the, just the clips of Jack punch somebody or Ron punch somebody, or the, the little black kid crying, or you know the older white man on on the ground, right? They ain't just see those those loop clips, those edited clips. And so I think it's important that people have to understand it's a it's a human part of that. When you nobody wants to, nobody, I didn't expect to go into a basketball game and all of a sudden i am fighting for my life and people are trying to throw chairs at me right over what so so i think people have to put it in perspective you know when you talk about you know these guys are criminals i don't have a criminal record so how would you come up with the conclusion i'm a criminal right i i at the time i had won 3 uh, community nba community assist awards so how how am i a criminal but for the people that don't know uh about the real facts they're going to believe what they see on television because the, it's the consistency of that of that verbiage was very transparent and that's what bothered me over over time and i just felt like hey look if this thing ain't gonna go away i need to do something um, that tells the real story right put people up there that's going to talk candid, honestly, and open about that night. Uh, and I got again, I got to thank Netflix for allowing us to be a part of a tremendous uh, series of documentaries um, that people, I think, are going to really enjoy.
0: It is on Netflix. It's out right now. It's untold, The Malice in the Palace. Jermaine, I don't want to gloss over this. The point that you made, that you took the NBA to court, you went before a federal judge, you laid it out, and you won. At that point, did you think that the league – and the team would then understand or have your back and support you. What happened after that judgment?
1: You know, I, I went back to play, um, and I was actually voted in for all for, for to be a starter in the All Star game. Um, and it was out in Houston, and, and it was a moment where I realized that you know the stain was was much deeper than I even thought, and I knew it was deep. Right, I got to, I got to um, Houston, and I wasn't anywhere on any marketing. Um, and, and, it, and in fairness, the NBA or the Indiana Pacers did not have a template for something like that, right? You got people on television that is putting the ultimate pressure on sponsorship. You know, they should pull sponsorship. They shouldn't support a league that, that adopts hip hop tattoos and cornrows. All of a sudden, it's a cultural, it's a cultural conversation, right? Which, which, in other words, it was talking about black athletes, right? And so I understood, Jim, hundred percent understood. I understood that we were very toxic at the time. Uh, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't good for business. I wasn't good for business. Jack wasn't good for business. Ron wasn't good for business. Understood that. Hundred percent understood that. I just felt like over time, especially even for myself, and I've been just, again, me just talking on, on myself for this particular statement is that I thought that some level of support would eventually came out, right? You know, and, and say, hey, look, you know, we had a chance to, you know, look at this thing and we saw what Jermaine did. Jermaine was on the court at the time. It was, you know, 50 people on the court lining, lining them up with water bottles and, and spitting on them and all kind of crazy, you know, ridiculous stuff that we shouldn't have to endure as players in a professional basketball game. And I felt like, you know, over time that they just, they they you know, they didn't um, um, come to my rescue when it comes to uh, public opinion, right? But at the same time, you know, it was one of those things where, uh, and Jim, you have to understand this, when, when you have an opportunity to play in, in, in the National Basketball Association, it's a privilege. And you don't, and not at one point in my life that I I've, I've taken that for granted, and I for, I'll always be indebted to, you know, for that opportunity because it allowed me to do things that I wouldn't have possibly ever been able to do as an inner city kid out of Columbia, South Carolina. It's it's changed my family and gave us generational wealth, right? Gave me opportunities to do things that I'm doing now, both professionally and socially. And so this isn't about, you know, this isn't an attack on the NBA at all by any means because I'm alumni and I'm a proud alumni of, of the NBA. I'm a, I'm a proud Um, uh, alumni of the Indiana Pacers. I just felt like over time, you know, that conversation should have been brought back up considering that they they bring this anniversary up every year and it's 17 years later.
0: Listen, Jermaine, I, I said this at the very top of the conversation that I so enjoyed our conversations Earlier in your career, and I mean this sincerely, you and I haven't talked in a number of years. Like you're a really, really good dude, a really strong man. And when you came in as a young, young player, you you were the same way. I mean, you were so engaging and so thoughtful and so talented. And then you find yourself in the middle of this thing, this thing, this night, this just really bad situation that happened. I know f- my personal opinion, and I should be conducting questions and not expressing opinions. I know you're not coming for the NBA. I no, you're not coming for anybody other than to have a conversation and a dialogue And maybe you're wondering like, why didn't we do this sooner? And that you've been carrying this around. And and here's where I can kind of relate. And in no way am I comparing my situation to your situation. But let's just say that you were a part of this thing that happened. And it was on national television. And for whatever reason, there's like an anniversary for it every single year. I was also part of a famous televised brawl. The incident with Jim Everett. Now, I was not in any danger like you were. That was just a table that got knocked over. And some coffee got spilled on me. But... In a similar vein, this was like almost 25 years ago, and it still comes up all the time. People always still want to talk to me about that. And it's it's almost like a career-defining moment, which I kind of resent because I've done several million shows. But the thing I want to ask you is this people now think it's hilarious. When you're in the middle of something like that, it's not hilarious. When you're fighting for your career, it's not hilarious. And when you yourself are fighting for your life, I guarantee it was not hilarious. Do you feel like the malice is like it's somehow celebrated in some way? And how does that make you feel?
1: Oh, no question. No question. Um, that's why it's always been sensitive to me. You know, Jim, that was that was the opportunity Um that we had to win a championship. You know, obviously, championship winning championships are very difficult to do in professional sports, and we were built for it. Right, we were ready for it. Our mentality was for it that year, um, and when something like that happened, and you have to understand, I think for people that don't necessarily know me, um, you know, I had to work hard for my position. Right, I went to Portland for four years. I had to continuously for four years prove my worth as 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 a as a basketball player, professional basketball player that still yet didn't get his time, right? I go to Indiana and, you know, they believed in me. Isaiah Thomas believed in me at the time, you know, when he, you know, he got the job and brought me there and it was like, okay, let me continue to prove my worth, right? And I finally got to a point where I was considered one of the best in the world, right? Going, you know, going into, you know, pinnacle years of my my career and to have a situation derail that, and all of a sudden, all the work that I've done—not only in the court, but also in my communities—is now in question. Right? It's in question over an event that happened. That nine times out of ten, maybe ten times out of ten, put it put anybody in that situation, they're gonna have to fend for themselves. Jim, I sat on, I sat on, a, I sat on a on a uh, in the courtroom in a federal courtroom, just doing a criminal part. And the prosecutor, I was on the stand, and the prosecutor asked me, said, Jermaine, would you would you do this again if put in the same situation? And I said, I would do the exact same thing again if I was put in that same situation, because all of a sudden, it is not about basketball. And I asked him, Jim, and this is this is documented. I said, Well, sir, let me ask you this question. Would you have would you have been the one to go to my house and knock on my door? and tell my wife and, the, and my kids that their dad is dead or brain damaged if one of those iron chairs was to hit me in my head that was thrown at me. His conversation then was, hey, you know, I'm asking the question, you don't ask me the question. Well, I I'm said, just, well, I'm just being fair here. You ask me, would I do it again? I am fighting my way out of any situation that, by the way, I didn't put, my, I didn't put myself in. I didn't put myself in that situation, that I inherit that situation. And so, you know, when, when you have an opportunity, you know, to tell your side, that's what this is about, this, and you hit it right on the head, this is just this for conversation. And not only when, you, when people look at this, they understand what I'm talking about, but now, you know, if you have questions about what happened that night, and it's, and it's not a narrative of the criminal hoodlum, uh, braid wearing, tattoo wearing, athlete, black athlete, If it's not that is if it's not that conversation, then I think you understand.
0: Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, even more amazing when you consider all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com yes, discover.com yes, 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. It seems also like, Jermaine, at that time, there was not—the world was different. That was a long time ago. There was not social media. There was not—there was a narrative, but not a conversation. And one of the things you mentioned about the documentary is it's an opportunity for you and others who were involved— with an opportunity to discuss it to answer questions to address it i'm kind of curious like like ron artest as an example at the time because you made that you made a really good point that you had put in so much time and made so many sacrifices and it gotten so close that you were in a position this team was in a position to win a championship something that meant so much to you i'm curious at that point in time what did you think about ron as a teammate and how well did you understand him at that time? How did you and he, you and he do at that time?
1: Jim, that, that is a phenomenal, um, phenomenal question. And, you know, it's, it's been documented about my relationship with Ron, and we did not have a good one. Uh, at the time, I was very uneducated about mental health. Mental health is a real thing. It's in your face. It's a real conversation to be had in today's society. Uh, Back then, you talk about mental health, you're basically saying somebody's crazy. And for that person that they're saying is crazy, that's like, a you know, back then in in those years, if you tore your Achilles or your ACL, people were saying you're done, right? It's in the same sentence, right? When you say somebody's crazy. So I had a hard time understanding Ron um, because I wasn't as educated. You know, I couldn't be the best brother and teammate you know, for Ron, because I didn't have the information or the tools that I needed to be the to be that person. Um, Ron, you know, w- when Ron would disappear, when Ron will, you know, you know, say that he's going to quit and retire, or he's going to go do his rap stuff, or you know, whatever it may be, um, I took that personal because I knew how hard it was to get to where I was. I knew how hard it was to get to where our team was, as far as competing and contending for a championship. And anything else outside of that just wasn't civilized to me. And it brought aggression. You know, I was aggressive. People didn't know about about me behind the scenes towards them. I was aggressive towards them because I didn't understand. And over over time, Jim, I've had an opportunity to mature. I've had an opportunity to educate myself a hell of a lot better. Uh, And I had a conversation, my first sit down conversation with Ron, of any sort, actually, uh, two years ago. Uh, we both were playing in the Big Three, um, and we were out in California, and we went to lunch. And we told each other what we needed to tell each other. Uh, we both were very apologetic about you know our placement with each other. Um, and um, that said a lot about where we were. I'm super proud of Ron. Um, I'm super proud of his ability to communicate and talk about his struggle, because that's not the easiest thing to do in this world, because people have so many different opinions and you know, some opinions will be, um, will be cruel, right? Because people don't like you. And I think it's important for people to know too as well, when we filmed this doc, not at any point during the filming of the doc that myself, Ron, and Jack set together, right? And so when I initially heard or saw the rough cut when Netflix sent it over to me, um, I was really, I was emotional because it's the first time I heard Ron talk about his struggle and I thought he did an incredible job, impeccable job on talking about how he approached it. And for me, it brought back so many raw feelings and emotions because I felt like I could have, I could have been there for him. It's a guy here struggling and my approach was was a little bit different than it should have been, and um, I can appreciate that as a man, as a father, um, the things that he's going through he, and he has to deal with still to this very day on a day to day basis. It's not something that has, that has just went away, um, but he's a lot more educated and vocal about his struggle, which he wasn't back then. And so now we are, you know, dance, that's a long winded way of answering your question. We did not have a great relationship at all when we played together. Uh, but we do now.
0: I mean, it seems to me, Jermaine, I mean, it's such an empathetic response by you, but I mean, how can you blame yourself? Like, you don't know what you don't know. Like, you're right. This was not something that was discussed. In fact, this was something that, you know, as a professional athlete, You guys are taught from day one, man, just play through it, play through it. You don't, you don't acknowledge any mental weakness. You don't give the opposition any kind of edge whatsoever. I mean, how could you have possibly known? I mean, sure. Now, you know, and you wish you could have done more, but how can you blame yourself for not knowing what you didn't know?
1: Jim, I mean, you, you are corrected in in, in many ways with that, but I think, you know, as a, you know, as a player, when you all in, when you all in, right, like you, it's like you, you want to do whatever you can do to win. And in many cases, a lot of that times is in sacrificing family time, sacrificing, you know, personal stuff, relationships, whatever it may be, you all in. And you always, you know, when when it doesn't happen that way, you always end up saying, what if, right? And that's, and every year I watch the clinching championship game and I watch the confetti and I watch the tears of joy, right? That's the one that, that's the one that I I stare at, you know, Um, and it bothers me. Um, You know, I think at some point, you know, you know, getting all of this out and, you know, just like really the first time, even on this press run, the first time I really even spoke a lot about it openly. Uh, and it's been actually, you know, it's been actually therapeutic uh, for me because I'm I'm not able to communicate, you know, my feelings and, and my views towards it. Um, but, you know, the natural thing from a competitor standpoint is like, damn, if I could have did this, then we would have been this.
0: Jermaine, is it it all? I mean, is it strange to you, like, I mean, the way it played out, like Ron got his, Jack got his, and his friends, you're going to be happy for them, but how weird and bizarre that you were as committed as anybody, you wanted it as much as anybody, you just mentioned how many sacrifices you made, I mean, everybody's journey is different, but as you look back now, is it kind of strange that they got theirs, and like, you and Reggie were the only ones who didn't?
1: You know it's um life has a way of talking to you and yeah you know, truth will God has a plan for, for all of us and sometimes you know these scenarios aren't in his plan and you, know, you can be you can question it all you want um, but the rea- reality is is that um, that was my path right to where I sit today you know I continuously learn and and bring and take information and um, Taken in and better myself and others, right? When you know, I see a lot of inspiring uh, athletes and and people in general that um, you know can relate to the struggles in sports, because sports is the, the it's like a twin of, of life, right? It tells you it tells you exactly what you should do how you should do you know uh, when you're going through your process, and that's why I like sports so much. And so I think everything that I went through. Um, you know, now I'm able to give you know give it to my daughter who's at the University of Texas, you know who's an absolute beast on the, on the volleyball court. My son, you know, who's just starting his freshman year, I think is going to be really, really good. And and the 2000 kids that I have in my sports um, my sports uh, complex business where we have you know we have you know basketball players hey Ka Cunningham, who we just went number one out of my program, uh, RJ Hampton. Uh, who was drafted last year? Therese Maxey who was drafted last year. Jamais Ramsey who was drafted last year. Drew Timmy, who's at Gonzaga, all kids that I coached. Um, so I'm now able to influence kids and parents and their mindsets of what opportunity really is and what it looks like and how valuable it is, and and help people understand that you don't have time. Right, go after it today and get it done today because you never know what tomorrow can present.
0: Jamie, I'm really I'm really curious. What's it like? You mentioned your daughter's a beast and your son's a freshman, what's it been like to watch your kids as athletes grow, evolve, mature, compete? What's that like for you as a dad?
1: Jim, I, I've been in a lot of tight situations, um, intense situations. I remember you know, watching my daughter in the national championship uh, against Kentucky last year. Um, and I've never sweat that much in my life. I mean, it's, it's intense because Um, you work so hard and, you know, your kids are your heartbeat um, and you want them to win and be successful at at all levels, at any means necessary. And and my daughter in particular, because she had, I don't know if you know, she had went through, you know, a year, right at a year before that actual championship game, she had went through open heart surgery. Um, So to see her, you know, have the strength and endurance. And I'm going to tell you, Jim, a lot of what I went through you know, whether it's my injuries or whether it's, you know, uh, mentally being worn down or going through the brawl situation, which had a lasting effect really in, in me, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, she was right there to watch it. So she absorbed everything. And I remember having a conversation with her right before that, you know, she had to have her second, this was her second heart surgery. Um, I asked, I said, well, agent, like, look, you know, you don't have to do this. I said, you can just, you know, Be a great student and move on. Um, And she said, Dad, I got to. So I love this. Right. And I know that energy that she had and that focus that she had came from her watching me um, and having a conversation. She asked me, I remember being in Boston and she asked me, I mean, I had uh, just two dog years there, physically couldn't hold up. Um, And she said, Dad, why don't you just quit? I said, Baby girl, I can't quit. I got to keep going. I still love this thing. And I think those conversations allow my kids to 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 understand uh, what that pedigree should look like. You know how you should compete at not just sports but at life.
0: It's an amazing response. And, and as a father of two sons, I I totally can relate to what you're saying. And I think a lot of people listening right now with children can relate to that. It's an amazing response, Jamaine. I'm I'm curious. Like before I let you go, you talked about now. People have to understand the process. You are a producer on this doc, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you know everything that's happening at every time. Like you said, you and Ron Artest and Steven Jackson never actually all sat down for an interview together. So when you finally did, as a producer or an EP on this doc, when you sat and you watched it, like I'm curious, how many times have you watched it and how does it make you feel when you see it now all together finally?
1: I watched it 12 times, including once today. And every single time I get emotional. Jim, I'm not even lying. Every single time I get emotional. It's a part of me. And it, and I think in, in, in many, in many ways, people have to understand that you, I can't get that time back. Right. And so you have to, you know, you, you wonder, um, I do believe I'm a better person and a better man. Uh, today, because of it, um, but to hear the people say the things that they said, you know, in that in that doc, it meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me because a lot of people had a perception of me. Yeah, I am very, I was very aggressive on the court, um, but that's 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 the me or you mentality that you have to have as a professional athlete. But when that clock goes off and I go home and I'm in my communities, I am different, right? And and that is a thing that I think people, um, hopefully, when they watch this doc, they can take in um, that it was a lot lost, um, and 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 it's and it's super sad that um, people that have responsibilities as journalists, right? That's their craft. You got to be prepared. It's like it's no different than us in our off seasons or our practices on the day to day basis. We got to be prepared for when our job. Uh, uh, we have to step on the court to do our job, and in many cases, sometimes journalists just don't do it. Right? They need to be, you know, quick to judgment. Let me let me say my let me say my whatever I need to say because it's, it's happening right now. Right? So if you have that same demeanor on reporting when it's happening right now, have the same demeanor to go through the process to know that I won every civil case, that I won my criminal case, that I won you know my case when I, you know, my reinstatement case against the NBA. Nobody never took the time out to say that, but a lot of people took the time out to call me a thug, a hoodlum, you know, hip hop, you know, basketball player, right? That was hard, you know? And I think now that when people see this, they understand exactly how I feel.
0: See, I guess my my final thought is, again, Jermaine, from me to you, that's, I just, I remember you and I talking when you were so young, when you first came up, and I just, I, not not that I would ever say, like, you and I spent so much time together, so I know, but I'm just telling you how I remembered you, and it didn't change. Like, I just, I always knew you to be the way you are today, like, extremely thoughtful, and of course, you and I are both more mature and more evolved, and we've learned, but I feel really badly in one sense hearing this, because I know you had to carry this around for so long and people didn't know and didn't know what you were about. And I can, I can hear the pain, but the good news is you finally have a chance to tell your side of the story and let others who were in the middle of it tell their side of the story. So I would imagine that now that the doc is out and people can see it you're still going to have to process this like it is it's not going to change overnight it's going to take time but what i'm curious is now that you've been able to do this and do it the way that you wanted to do it and netflix understood your vision for it is there any closure in this for you do you feel like you can finally turn the page will that never happen like where do you go from here now
1: you know what i absolutely can turn the page and it's interesting that um you know i took a little bit of a break um between interviews today and i had to go to the apple store um and, and get my phone. I drop my phone and crack my phone and i walked in and the guy that was helping me it's like hey that was an incredible doc it's like i did i, I didn't know and that was that was exactly what i wanted to happen by doing this doc it wasn't um uh, it wasn't to, again, alienate anybody. It wasn't to say, you know, it was just more of having the, I finally get a chance to have the conversation. Now I can close the chapter. I can move on. I would hope that people now wouldn't celebrate, you know, the malice and the palace anymore, because if you need to know about it, just go to Netflix. It'll tell you what you need to know. Um, and I feel whole. I honestly, today is like a, the first day where I just was like, Man, you know, it feels like it's over now. You know, even if it's not over, even if people want to still talk about it. For me, emotionally and mentally, it's over because I, I feel like I've now gotten my my view, you know, to the general public. And you know, whether people want to like it or or love it or hate it or whatever it may be, um, you know, it's it's come purely from the heart. And now I can move on with my life.
0: I get that, Jermaine. I think that you and I have been in this long enough to know that we can't control what others think, what they do, what they say. But I know from your standpoint, you finally got to have your say, that finally this is a dialogue and not a narrative. You finally had an opportunity to sit down and say, hey, listen, this is what happened that night. This is what we were going through. And now everybody can see this. It is untold. The documentary is The Malice in the Palace. It's on Netflix. It's available. My man, again, I I, I feel badly for the journey and the process but we all have our journey and our process and I feel great that you could finally tell your story and have some closure and turn the page and I've always thought the world of you I'm so glad that you and I could get caught up and have this conversation and I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to finally do that and tell that story the way you needed to
1: but well, Jim I appreciate you having me on it's always great talking to you brother we got some other you know major things coming um, I'd love to get back on the show sometime soon
0: Have to express my gratitude and an enormous thanks and appreciation to Jermaine O'Neill. It's hard to believe that after all these years, there was still so much to say and process about that surreal night in Auburn Hills. He kept it honest, and he kept it real on a difficult and personal subject, and I appreciate him, and I want to thank him very much for that. That was a great conversation. You're not going to hear insightful conversations like that one anywhere else, so make sure you take a second and subscribe. This way, future episodes find their way to you, and you do not have to go looking for them, like episode 185, which is going to land wherever you get your podcast next week until then let me hit you with some voicemails first new message Rome, hey,
2: justin in melbourne dude i'm no inspector Clouseau, but i'm starting to figure out your vacation trends last year two weeks in wisco two weeks off back to work two weeks in wisco this year, this year. as soon as smack off's over two weeks in wisco back to work for two weeks back to Whisco for two weeks. So when I start making my vacation plans for next year, I'm going to make sure I also take four weeks off in six weeks. You know why, Romy? Uh, Because I can too. I'm in the Jim Rome Club. We take vacations because we can. Welcome back. Message deleted. Next message.
1: What's up, man? It's Max Brady. So my kids found this fake life-size goose and brought it home, wanted to put it in our
2: yard. But I got to ask you, is that going to attract real geese to my yard? Because I'm not trying to have goose poop all over the place, and you know about that. But uh anyways, I hope you survived all the Wisco Lester all. See ya. Message deleted. Next message. Van Frank, this is Cabray from the bank. Check this out, man. All I can do is get Yarns his props, man. He came up. As a little skinny kid from Greece, Athens, and he balled out, won a championship. I'm not taking nothing away from even though everybody got hurt this year and all that crap. My dogs, the Lakers wasn't in this damn thing. The Warriors wasn't in this damn thing. All I can say, give that man his props. On that note... It's time for the Niners to get their shit together and win the Super Bowl. Sit Garoppolo on the bench, put trailers in there, give him the goddamn ball. Let's go. Holla. Peace. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Jimmy? It's Dr. Dave. You know, I just got home from the store. In the frozen food section, there was some Chuck E. Cheese frozen pizza. Didn't we learn all that shit from Pasquale's Pizza earlier that this pizza's a crock of shit? Fucking cardboard. It's like perfect for Rex for his fiber. But anyways, you know, I saw that uh, Scottie Pippen was airbnb being his out for the Olympic gold. $92 a night for the Dream Team. Wow, Scottie Pippen is no longer being cheap. That is fucking unreal. No tippin' tippin'? I don't know anymore. I wonder how many people, though, are going to give his house a five-finger discount. Anyway, got to hand it out to your boy, Austin Huff, for getting pregnant. Maybe I have a new client. Later, fuckers. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. Paolo again up in Ottawa, Canada. This call is
0: going to seem probably out of context, but Canada just lost the greatest NBA player to ever grace our shores, Kyle fucking Lowry. Kawhi was pretty good, but... Miami, you do not know what you just got. Farewell, Kyle. We love you. You owe us nothing. Go get another Larry O.B. And we'll see you again as a Raptor when you're inducted into the fucking Hall of Fame. I'm out.
2: Message saved. Next message.
0: Romy Rome. Vance Mac.
2: Pimp in the box. Vinny in Crapchester. Brother, I got to tell you, I have just finished listening to episode four of Reinvention Podcast. Brother, man, I'm telling you, I've always respected your show since the 90s, listening to my fraternity uh, brother, JC the Brick, win a smack-off. But man, this evolution that you've taken is stellar and it's purposeful. Appreciate you so much, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You're making an impact on a lot of people. And uh, I'm out here, man, ready to be the coffee bean. Love to you and the family. Peace. Message saved. You have no more messages.
0: Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it gets even more amazing when you consider all the places where Discover is accepted. Namely, 99% of the places in the United States that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply.